Hey there, I'm Bonnie Gallum, host of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast, and I am really excited for this week's episode because I'm going to be chatting about partnerships, how to create them effectively, and of course, legally. I think learning and understanding more about partnerships is critical because it can help you avoid the legal pitfalls that pop up when you have co-owners of your real estate investing business, because let's face it, that's exactly what partners really are. And so if you are currently thinking about creating a partnership or even have one in place already, then this episode will be perfect for you as it's going to give you the steps and tools you need to protect yourself, protect the relationship, but also use the power of partnerships to grow your real estate investing business. And some of the main topics we're going to cover today include one, why legally defining your partnership is so important. Two, common investor partnerships and why you should probably actually avoid them. Three, the number one thing you should look for in a partner. And four, how the rocket fuel approach to partnerships can transform your business. But before we dive into the meat of this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you're in the process of getting your legal house in order, I created a free resource for you. It's for investors and it's called the Ultimate Legal Checklist that can help you start building your solid legal foundation. The guide is like 16 pages long of asset protection awesomeness. <laughs> yes, bold statement. I know, but it breaks down my signature asset protection framework alongside three different checklists to help you legally deal with tenants, onboard new properties, and of course, cover your assets. You can snag that checklist over at bonniegallum.com forward slash checklist. Again, that was bonniegallum.com forward slash checklist. And I'll be sure to link it in the show notes as well. And so if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe so you always are the first to know when new episodes are released. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast, where building a thriving real estate investing business has less to do with subway tile and shiplap and everything to do with whether you've laid a solid foundation to support the life of your dreams. I'm your real estate lawyer turned legal educator host, Bonnie Galam. In my years building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, the most important lesson I've learned is that being a successful real estate investor isn't about secret strategies or ninja tactics. It's about doing the basic stuff right and staying laser focused. If you're an ambitious real estate investor or one in the making who's looking to build a real estate portfolio that's secure, streamlined, and creates a life you love, you're in the right place. Each week here on the show, you'll get clear, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you build your real estate business and some tough love along the way to make sure you're not building a house of cards. Let's get started. Let's start off with the basics. Why legally defining your partnership is so important. Partnerships are a legal entity like an LLC, a corporation, or a sole proprietorship. However, unlike LLCs or corporations, they can be just created with your mind. I wish I could like insert genie sound effect here. Woo! But in all seriousness, they can. With LLCs, you always have to register them with the state. Like you've got to fill out these formation documents, submit the registration. You can't just be like, hey, I want to have an LLC and now you've got an LLC. But the reality is with partnerships, they really can just be created when two people just decide to make them. That being said, you can maybe still register your partnership with your state and maybe that's the right choice for you to do. But if you don't, it's not like the partnership doesn't exist. All that needs to happen to create a partnership is for you and your partner to decide to create a partnership. It's that simple. And because it is that simple, it can get really messy. A lot of partners don't even realize that they have something that can be legally wound up or down until a problem arises. And then they're usually so far down the legal disaster wormhole that they can't even see the light anymore. And so that's why it's so, so important that if you create a partnership with someone in your mind and in their mind, that you also create it on paper. So getting that partnership agreement outlined and signed by both of you 
And inside of Landlord Law School, I teach real estate entrepreneurs the key points to include in their partnership agreements, but you absolutely positively need to have something in writing. Why is that, you might be asking? Because it's like a prenup. Partnership agreements decide how things will go down if they go down badly while they're still going good. And let me tell you, there is no better time or legally cheaper time to address this stuff than when things are going good. And while we're talking about prenups, a lot of this stuff applies even if you're a married couple investing together. Two people on an LLC, that is a partnership all day, every day. Okay, so let me just back up for a second, though, and give you a quick refresh on these agreements. You may have heard me refer to operating agreements as prenups in other episodes or on Instagram. It's a term I like to use a lot. So let's talk about the difference between a partnership and an operating agreement real quick. And so a partnership agreement is a general term that outlines the business relationship of two or more people. It can be a JV agreement, a general partnership agreement, a limited partnership agreement, or an operating agreement if the partners decide to form an LLC together. It's important that you use the right legal formalities and names when creating these agreements so that they match the entity that you're actually operating as. It's also important to note that an operating agreement can be in place even if there's one person in an LLC. Uh, that's a corporate formality that all LLCs need to have, whether you've got one or 20 people who are members in that LLC. Another thing to keep in mind, though, when it comes to partnerships is taxation. Whether you're a general partnership or an LLC that's taxed as a partnership, there are really critical decisions that will affect the taxation of each partner that should really be outlined in writing. You don't want the government, the, the IRS really, using their default rules on your business if that's not what you and your partner had in mind. And again, I can't stress this stuff enough. Make these decisions at the outset. Become Come tax time, no one's going to be one, the one to foot the bill and no one wants to be the one feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick. Talk with your CPA about these structures and how they'll affect you and your partner. You'll have to make decisions about like depreciation allocation or deduction allocation. And of course, income allocation, everybody wants the income, but there's a lot of these tax decisions that have to be made that don't necessarily have to be made when you're just running a business by yourself. And I get it. Talking about money is like talking about politics or your sex life or one of those things that like is so cringeworthy. Even talking about what feels legally fair can bring up like money and emotional insecurities. I totally get that. And it can feel really intimate and uncomfortable. Uh, but Partnerships, whether they're in your personal life or in business, do require a lot of vulnerability and a lot of trust. And so it's all about making sure you find the right one. So let's talk a little bit more about what you should look for in a partner. And so finding a good partner, like a lot of things apparently in this episode, uh, can feel a lot like dating or marriage. Sometimes you end up kissing a lot of frogs before you find the prince. But before you legally put a ring on it through either getting married or in the sense of real estate before actually starting a business venture together, you've got to make sure it's the one because unwinding that relationship down the road, once you have joint assets together and shared responsibilities, rarely, if ever, does that dissolution happen cleanly or cheaply. So my number one tip on picking a partner is to find someone who can do what you can't, but also just can't be hired. Let me give you so many examples of the most frequent partnerships I've seen because they fall right into this category and why I actually think they're a bad idea and how we should probably structure them better. And then I'll get into what I think the magic partnership formula actually is. And so frequently I see the combination of, you know, money plus contractor or deal sourcer or agent plus contractor. 
um, or plus money. And let me tell you why I hate these situations. I hate them a lot. And let me just go on this rant for a second to explain to you exactly why. You may disagree with me, but this is how I have seen things and how I've seen a lot of partnerships end up badly. So for one, these types of relationships, these types of partnerships have a power imbalance. You have someone who's putting in something very quantifiable, money. And then you have someone else who's putting in something unquantifiable, like labor, deal sourcing, contracting. Um, And therefore, like the risk is borne differently from one partner to the other. And it's almost like they've got competing interests where one has a very clear incentive to like decrease their involvement, put as little money as they need to to get the deal done. And the other one may not have control over that. And so they they can end up butting heads over what really is just both their fundamental roles to get the job done. And next, and perhaps most importantly, both of these arrangements, you know, where we've got money plus labor in some combination, is that you could just hire one side out without having to give up equity or a controlling state in your business. You can hire an agent or you can pick up a hard money lender or hire a contractor and have just these clean, open and shut businesses where you still remain at the reins of your business. And let me tell you, it's not always easy having more than one cook in the kitchen. And so if you don't have to have a partnership, in many ways, it's better not to. And I think a lot of the reason why people don't want to do it on their own is is really fear-based. You might be feeling afraid that you're not going to have enough money to pay a lender who you don't know and maybe won't give you a break or an extension if you need one. Or you might feel afraid or insecure that you can't find deals on your own or don't know what to do if you even get one. And maybe, you know, you're nervous dealing with contractors who can, you know, feel untrustworthy and it feels safer to pick someone who's got this buy-in, some skin in the game so that they'll prioritize the deal in theory. And, you know, and maybe it feels safer, just a little bit less scary when you don't have to give someone money out of your own pocket and that they ultimately just get paid out of the deal. And you might also just be afraid that people don't want to work with you if you don't give them a piece of the pie. But I want to let you know that that is absolutely not the case. And I really want to encourage you that you can do all of these things. And with the right legal tools and contracts in place, it doesn't have to be scary. And the reality is, is you both can still have your win, but you can keep the relationship separate, keep your business clean and yours, and then still you know, compensate the other party fairly for whatever they do contribute to you and the deal. And so that brings me to my final point. What actually does make for a good partnership? And so for one, I think it helps if both people come from similar financial footing. Because if one is considered the, you know, quote unquote money, that person will always bear the risk of needing to pony up more money if things go off budget. Putting in the same amount and having similar risk exposure if things go south make for a much more trusting and smooth relationship. Think about it. It's often the same with marriages. The closer you come into the relationship being true equal partners, the easier it is over the long term. And it doesn't always have to be that way. I'm sure if you know of something, shoot me an email, prove me wrong. I'd love to hear it. But I can tell you anecdotally that it's almost always the case for the successful partnerships that I've worked with professionally. But in my opinion, really what makes a great relationship is not an actual hard skill set like deal sourcing or being a contractor, because the reality is those can all be outsourced. So what is it? To me, it's, it's more of soft skill sets 
Who can bring fresh ideas and who can make them happen? And to be honest, I've never seen a better explanation than this, than Gino Wickman's explanation in his book, Traction, and in more detail in the book, Rocket Fuel. And I know I've talked about Traction before. It's literally one of my all-time favorite business books. And I've applied it to basically every business I have at this point. His EOS uh, operating system for entrepreneurs is brilliant. It's something I'm continuing to apply and refine in my own businesses. But his discussion on partnerships is really what I want to focus here. And Wickland says that the key to a magic partnership is one that is like rocket fuel for a business. It's the one between what is known as an integrator and a visionary. And Wickman describes a visionary as the person who has the original great idea, conceive the company, continues to look and expand the business and pushes the ideas forward. The visionary tends to be like the founding entrepreneur is a great leader with lots of big ideas and is the relationship or salesperson. And they're also a creative problem solver. But unfortunately, the visionary can also create chaos. I, they've got, I said I've, that's because I'm totally the visionary in my business. I relate to this so innately. And there's a quiz, um, if I can find the link for it, on the EOS website on Are You a Visionary Integrator? I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but anyway, the visionary can also create chaos. Hi, it me. Um, and has limited patience for details, gets distracted by shiny stuff, and wants to implement every single one of their ideas immediately. On the other hand, the integrator is defined as the person who thrives at systems and processes, getting that stuff in place to bring order to the chaos that the visionary creates. They have to be able to tell that person no and to keep the vision and the direction on path so that we're not doing you know, shiny object syndrome. Uh, the integrator also is a great taskmaster and manager and is good at holding people accountable, creating consistency and integrating the leadership team with the people beneath them. And so your subs or your contractors, the other people who may be hiring to deal with your business, they're great at kind of being that intermediary. And so when the integrator and visionary come together, you get this really powerful force of organized growth, checks and balances and separation of powers. And as I'm saying this, I'm kind of now realizing I basically just described the US government system, but it, it works for a reason, guys. And partnerships in real estate go beyond just the deal sourcing and flipping. We're running a whole business. There's teams, there's SOPs, there's legals, there's taxes, there's marketing, and a million other things that go into the day-to-day of actually being a real estate entrepreneur. And filling those slots with the right personalities is way better for the long-term success than an individual having a hard trait, like being an electrician or a realtor or something like that. And that's not to say that those things can't be a value add, but that shouldn't be why you partner with someone. Because as I stated in the beginning, those skills can be hired out. And so you've got to look for skills that you simply can't pay for. And so if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you would leave me a five-star review. It helps other real estate entrepreneurs like you find my show. And don't forget to visit the website where you can find the show notes, plus all the links, books, all that good stuff I mentioned in this episode at bonniegallum.com forward slash 28. Again, that's bonniegallum.com forward slash 28, or using the link that's right in your podcast player. Take care, and I'll see you here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. If you want to continue the conversation, jump on over to the free Good Bones Real Estate Investing Facebook group. That's it for this episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'll see you here next week, same time, same place. Until then, go out and build the real estate empire of your dreams. Thank you 
for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.